And we are on Being Community Radio, the journey after the journey. I'm so glad to be back. I'm Aurea, your host, your friend, your private soul consultant. <laughs> And we have, uh, I'm very excited to be back. I'm excited after a month-long trip to my home country, Israel. <sighs> so much to share, so much to teach, and yet... Tonight, we have a very special guest in the studio. Her name is Michelle Risa. I know her as America's mindfulness expert, but I really know her as a great friend and teacher of presence and grace and perseverance and always innovating and trying new things. But we'll get to her in a few minutes. And I'd like to share how... impactful the trip to Israel was for me and how important it is to really take stock and pay attention to where you come from. I never thought it was important and perhaps as I'm getting older, the whole feeling of home and roots and where it is we arrive from is very important to know where we're going. If you ask me that five years ago, I would tell you that where you come from doesn't really matter. And now, having spent a month in Israel and in my home country, really feeling at home, at the same place that I actually resented for such a long time, I must say that really paying attention to What were your parents doing at the time of your birth? What were your parents studying? What were your parents thinking about? What was your parents' dreams and vision would be very, very important to know. Because in so many ways, life just continues and tries in another cycle, in another pattern. And to know what it is your parents were doing and thinking about and dreaming about at the time of your inception... could be very, very useful information. And I never really paid attention to it until this recent trip. So coming back here into my home in America, I also know that I have a universal home. It's in my heart. It really is. So again, I'm excited, excited to be back. I'm excited to continue to remind you That we're here on a very, very big journey. It's not about today or this month or even the age of Aquarius that we are in. This is really about humanity playing a co-creative role in the evolution of life itself. And as we are realizing that it is up to you. It is up to you, the listener, it is up to you, the observer, is it up to you, the participant? And as the sages of time said that it's not about the observer, it's really more the determiner. You are determining your reality by the decisions, by your imagination, by your personal vision and flow of heart. What is your heart flowing towards? What is your heart flowing with? That does determine... that does really envision, for lack of better words, the future that is unfolding. So take a moment, really, to pay attention to the song of your heart. Pay attention 
to see what it is that you believe about yourself. Take a moment to pay attention to what it is that you really know yourself to be true. A thing I've paid attention throughout my whole trip is who I am becoming. And it is no surprise to me that I am becoming the person I was always meant to be. And yet, I thought it was mere fantasy. So patience, patience, having patience, having long-term vision for yourself, which includes patience and accepting the journey of self-discovery, the most important aspect. What if your purpose is and always was getting to know yourself? What if your purpose is and always was what some people call enlightenment, we call self-knowledge, knowing what is fun for you, knowing what is enjoyable for you, knowing that in order to share, you must have it first. In order to show up fully, you must be full yourself. And that is something Michelle and I actually discussed this morning as we prepared, somewhat prepared for this podcast because we have this notion of we want to be able to show up fully I want to show up fully I want to step into my power and yet one of the most important things we could do is be full and the only way to be full and this is where I'd like to bring Michelle into the conversation the only way really to be full is what it's to know ourselves so as a America's mindfulness expert, and I believe that to be true, because she, just knowing her, her presence and her grace is always very grounding and almost intimidating to me, uh, especially in my role as sharing presence and teaching presence. I find that every time I'm around Michelle, I always have so much to learn. So thank you for gracing us with your presence and your ongoing journey of what? What has been your journey? We may start with that. <laughs> That's a big question. Yeah. What has been my journey? It has, I would say, most importantly, if you're talking about being full for me, filling me means loving me. Hmm. I, I believe myself and many of us walk around with a begging bowl looking for love, and I think that's very understandable since love is so essential, as important as air, water, food. And we look for it. We seek it, again, understandably and often come up empty-handed. And I have found that to provide that, learning how to understand what I need, when I need it, and how to provide it, and I'm talking about unconditional love, you know, something that I've heard about but didn't quite understand what that really meant, having not experienced that until recently. That's the full. That's feeling full. Mm. 
and specifically from unconditional love unconditional love no matter what hmm. for yourself it has to start with myself in order for me to be that for you yes hmm. yes and i think sometimes there's a confusion about what unconditional means and i would say it's not condoning all behavior but rather accepting yes that behavior occurs events occur and we then from this place of fullness and love and compassion can without the distorted layer of emotion see what we want to do or respond to that event or occurrence which is very different than when you're coming from needing acknowledgement needing stroking needing love needing etc so ne- it's a very is it's that, full is that what you referred to earlier for the begging bowl yeah i it it felt that way as i was growing up yeah it really felt that i was hoping mom dad family boyfriends yeah that i was really hoping to have their love and for them to accept me no matter what and i desperately was looking for that yes and, and what do you say right now if you replaced the ball or just the title of the ball well now the ball is inside me mm, okay which is very different which is always there every time i breathe or think mhm and so replenishing and taking care of self care another word i think is a wonderful idea for us to define for ourselves it's never the same for any of us i don't believe one size fits all yeah so to determine the formula for self care within every chapter of your life for every day of your life you know it's different yeah and i, I want we have some time but uh, just go back to the you know we talked about your journey your personal journey and unconditional love in the same sentence or the same uh, few sentences it's i it's it, it's it's a curious one right because most of us look for fulfillment and look for purpose and look for ways to serve and share with the world and what you're saying that for you the, the f- i don't know if it's the first or last step in that started with unconditional love for yourself unconditional love like for the world i i want to hear a little bit more about the unconditional love part it wasn't my first step i like i think many of us kept seeking it wherever we could find it and I'll speak for myself but I think many others come up empty empty-handed it's not lasting we're disappointed and so I've now come to embrace that self-love when you can have it as the first step finding your purpose seeing life more clearly interpreting life's events the assumptions and expectations that we have totally change when we feel hmm. right full and cared for and supported and guided and most people when they hear that 
they hear about what they didn't get from their parents or what they're not getting from the world. Are you saying that we can get all of that from ourselves, through ourselves? I, I do. Hmm. And it's not mutually exclusive for me getting it from you or anyone else, so it's, it doesn't need to be mutually exclusive, but I need to be responsible for my care and my well-being that I believe that is all of our responsibility and determines how I show up for you and for the world. Hmm. That's a that, that, that's an uh, it's it's a clear it's a very clear intention for the world and when we come back in a couple of minutes we'll talk about what your you know some of your personal story and how it's leading you to what you are, you know, passionate about right now, which is bringing meditations into the corporations and the workplace and decision makers, and through your own experiences and through your own obviously personal story of discovery of why that makes all the difference, right? Yes. Why the self-care actually begins with getting to know what that is for you and that means taking time for yourself and other things we'll discuss when we get back okay know you are love rest in peace dream your sweet dreams till your soul is released Know you are loved. Rest in peace. So Michelle introduced us to this music, to this song. <laughs> She's even tried and still in process of getting the artist and musician to come in to this podcast. Mm-hmm. So that will happen at some point. And just dream your sweet dreams until your soul is released. You introduced me to the song. It's been a big part of my life. Maybe you could start us off with that. Where? And it is preceded with know you are loved. Hmm. How do we feel? How do you feel when you know you are totally loved? Totally. Unconditionally. Always and all ways it just feel i think feels wonderful feels whole home like i belong because i exist because i'm alive i'm worthy not because i did something good but because i was born and and you're blessed yeah we are we truly are how did you get introduced to this music how long has that been a part of your life when I started studying with Yogi Bhajan, the master of Kundalini Yoga, so Jai Jagdesh is part of that community. Okay. And so... What got you there? I mean, we wanted to talk about uh, okay. some of your stories. So that that's a... People, I mean, I know Yogi Bhajan, but, uh, I, you know, tell us a little more. Well, I s- my career started in the corporate world. Okay. Uh, first at major advertising company called Ogilvy & Mather and then later in the financial world with Citibank. Um, And I 
you know, continued with when I left and started my own private consulting. What was your interest going into it? Well, what were you passionate about it? Were you passionate mm. about success? What was mm. going on? Actually, it's funny. I had actually been studying psychology and was the director of a daycare center Okay. until someone said to me, David Ogilvie is taking direct response out of the media department, setting it aside, and they're using psychology to speak to people and, and motivate them. And I was like, really? And I, that's, it's strange, but that's how I got there. Um, and they, on the advertising side, I was put on Merrill Lynch and other financial institutions so when I switched to the client side I switched to banks okay and then back to Citibank so so your so your original passion is still the same passion as you have right now so yeah how the mind works right I mean, in, in college at NYU undergraduate yes I started learning about biofeedback and it fascinated me how the mind worked so hmm. it really started with all those things on my head <laughs> yeah and and how we could change our brain waves and how we could literally have that power to do that up until that point I hadn't experienced that and I underscore the word experienced totally different than knowing something versus your own hmm. true experience okay so you were working for other people and you probably were pretty good at that but I was miserable, so I left, started whoa, my own. Whoa, whoa. Why were you miserable? Well, I, I'll just short-circuit this story somewhat and say I, I remember looking in the mirror as I was really making the most money I ever had, mm -hmm. had City and Amoco and major corporations, and I wasn't enjoying marketing financial products and services. And this was a turning point when I looked into the mirror and admitted to myself I was really, even though it appeared to be making it according to our culture, I was really unhappy doing what I was doing. And so when I asked myself as I looked in the mirror, which is, by the way, for everyone listening, a wonderful activity, <laughs> looking into the eyes of your own soul, you know, was to admit that misery and ask myself what I wanted. And at that time, I said, you know, I just want to be supported so I can find what my purpose in life was. And the eyes looked back at me and said, I'll support you. Go. And that was my first turning point, to trust me enough to say goodbye to that and follow my heart. What, what kept you grounded and what kept you feeling safe through this transition? Because so many of of the listeners and people in this world right now, they're all going through so much transition, and especially from uh, perceived cushy jobs or things that people thought are safe and uh, you know are really a secured position. And now people are, are changing. What what kept you sane or insane enough <laughs> to keep going? I've been blessed with perseverance. No matter how many times I fall, and fall many times I do, I get back up. And with whatever on my face. Uh, did you have good role models and people that supported you? Like, did you, how, how, how? I mean, people have a hard time doing that. People are terrified of change. 
I know. Um, I really can't answer that other than saying I believe I have a great deal of courage just to keep trying. I've really been alone most of my life, and I've come to know that I can rely on me. In fact, that period of time was when I really learned how much I could rely on me, and that I, I would come through, which eventually I did, you know, to find what it was I needed to do next. So it was building a trust in me, regardless of what the journey looked like. So you left the corporate world because you went in ultimately wanting to help people. Into the corporate world? When you went in, you were studying psychology, you were studying marketing. You wanted to make a positive change in people's lives in some way, shape, or form. I don't know that it was just curious as to how the two were coming together mm-hmm. and, and to get into the business world. I, didn't, I don't believe I was being altruistic in any way. Okay. Um, I think that's why I needed to leave. I was really feeling it was just a dog-eat-dog world there, very competitive and not involving my heart. So the money, again, was, was good. So the money was good, and it just didn't feel right over time? It's just you didn't feel a fulfillment? Because I'm looking for people to really uh, realize that maybe the, the, the aha moment and epiphany is nothing short but just, you know what, you're not happy for sustained if you're not happy and depressed long enough maybe there's nothing wrong with you maybe you just need to quit your job and actually move on I think pain is a wonderful motivator mm-hmm. and for me the more painful it got <laughs> you know it's it, it caused me to how long did you spend in the corporate world um, about 12 years 12 years okay and then How long, what was the time period between quitting and finding your next thing? Three years. Three years. And in that time, just to tell you what I did so mm-hmm. people will know, I said, let me follow my heart. And at that time, I was you know, giving money to Amnesty International, a human rights organization. So I started teaching human rights at Martin Luther King Junior High School on the Upper West Side. Um, traveled to Czechoslovakia where Vaclav Havel, who was then... T- a prisoner, an, a poet who was imprisoned. And part of Amnesty was writing letters to his prisoner saying, we know you are unjustly imprisoning him. And I saw now when I arrived in Czechoslovakia that this man was running as the pre- to be the president hmm. of this country. And I was like, wow, we can make a difference. And I went into the court system and became a mediator to re- help people resolve conflict, as well as in elementary schools, teaching children conflict resolution, became certified as a divorce mediator, having gone through a divorce myself. So it was looking for alternatives within our structure in various school or courts or you know, different situations and, and finding more of what resonated with me so you really didn't know what you were going to do but you kept trying different things yes <laughs> and they were all in the helping the, the less fortunate or the needy like there's something you know you started traveling like well, what got you into traveling that was always my treat I worked very hard mm-hmm. and so where many of us purchase things to um, enjoy mm-hmm. the fruits. For me, every year, it was traveling to a different country on the planet and experiencing it for myself. 
So throughout Asia, throughout Europe, throughout South America, I mean, I just had this real thirst for experiencing different cultures myself. It's beautiful. So wha- where is the... Sh- so talk us, where does it thru- talk us through... Okay. No, to the point where you're like, okay, I know where I want to invest time in. Like when you mentioned Yogi Bhajan, was that at the that's, moment? And that's when I met him. I met him in, you know, around in the mid-90s. Um, after practicing, I would, every time when I was studying with him, meet him one-on-one. Where was that? Uh, New Mexico. Okay. It was actually New Mexico. And um, he... I'm going to say, actually tricked me into becoming a teacher. I had no intention of becoming a teacher. The way he, tr- it's, it's an easy, I came with all questions to ask him, and people were kind of humoring me when I said I was doing that. And when I was in his presence, I literally said two words continually. He would say something, and I'd go, yes, sir. He'd say something, and I'd go, yes, sir. So I was totally mesmerized in his presence. And he then said, well, I think you're just too shy to, you know, go out and teach. And, of course, my two words were, yes, sir. Hmm. And when I walked out and people asked me, so how was it? My first comment was, he said I was too shy to teach. And they all looked at me and said, you? Too shy? And the next day I was on the corner of Park Avenue and 34th Street handing out flyers. Flyers for? A, a, A yoga class. To so ta- start teaching. To start teaching. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so that's how I became a teacher. And what was that process like, uh, studying with Yoga Bhajan? It was wonderful. Yeah? I, he was my perfect teacher. He's, you know, no teacher is for everyone, but he was mine. He was a Saturn teacher. And I just, I loved his always giving us a context for what we were doing. You know, telling us Americans how spoiled we were, so we would have greater, more gratitude for our culture and go to India and experience what not having was all about. So he was always about yatras, and I studied with him there as well. What's a yatra? A, a, a journey in in India. Yeah, oh, yeah like an ex- yeah. expedition. Yeah, a, a teaching, walk, training, walkabout, <laughs> cleaning marble. We did a lot of marble cleaning. That's a real thing then. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real cleaning. We were one of the first women to do that. Women weren't allowed prior to that. Hmm. Yeah, so it was very nice. So you experienced a lot of different change. Yeah. Okay, so you became a teacher and you started teaching, and uh, you don't teach yoga now. I really, well, with yoga being so popular, and even mindfulness now being so popular, um, I'm really dedicated to helping people really understand how much more meditation is than just relaxing right really understanding not only how you make how it impacts your decisions how it impacts your perception how it impacts um, your ability to communicate which helps relationships which helps team building I mean all of this that as you earlier said to now help CEOs bring this into their lives and their businesses so we can build a very different community. Beloved child, go out, spread light to the world. Be strong, be kind, be brave. Know your mind, 
Speaking to Michelle and her journey of self-discovery, just covered her journey into the corporate world and then just taking some time off to learn what she likes, going into studying with Yoga Bhajan, teaching yoga, and ultimately to get to a place where you're just telling us how you found that. And I personally, when I, went, when I studied yoga, I had a teacher for a while, and he used to remind me that the purpose of yoga is to get to the meditation part. Exactly. And which was surprising to me. I didn't know that. So really, how meditation itself became, you know, now is the, your core teaching. Yeah. And you are finding yourself in a place where you, you, know, you see the benefits of meditation and very very practical aspect particularly like learning how to manifest or really learning the co-creative aspect of humans in this cosmology of being here and I'd love to hear more about that right well when you understand your mind which is again meditation and to emphasize what you just said yoga is the appetizer meditation is the entree Hmm. Right? Because once you release all that stress doing yoga, you can then more easily be in that stillness. Right? Because you've released so much. And what I have, when you talk about manifestation, that I have found when as we know, when you practice something, any skill, think of when you're a child learning any new skill, piano, walking, you practice, you practice, and meditation is exercise for your mind. You know, it's that muscle that you're strengthening. And so if you become aware of yourself, what thoughts and beliefs sabotage you versus what supports you and enables you to feel wonderful and interact and have um, different outcomes, yes? Mm-hmm. I mean, you as, can... As you, a, so if, if I'm a CEO, uh, mm-hmm. which I am a CEO of my own life, mm-hmm. of course I would love the ability to know that my decisions are... You know, they're, they're not guesses. They really are true to my vision and they're impactful. Of course, I would love to be able to present something to the team and know that I'm actually manifesting the outcome. How, how, how does meditation lead to that? Like, what does meditation have to do with being a good CEO? When you meditate, when you develop that relationship with yourself, again, knowing yourself, know when you're on, know when you're off, when you're in balance, all of that changes how you perceive what occurs, how you interpret what occurs, so it changes your decisions. When you say knowing you're on, knowing you're off, uh, intuitively I, I know what you mean, but can you explain more? When I'm, uh, as you get to know again your mind, I have found, I'll speak f- when I've gotten to know my mind, 
I know when I'm not believing, when I'm doubting, when I'm sabotaging myself, when I'm interpreting something that through experience, and I'll give an example, taking things personally. I think a lot of us take things personally. But with greater awareness, I have found that the moment I do that again, I can stop myself and say, this has nothing to do with me. You know, what that person said or did is a reflection of them. So as you take the time to be with you, you develop, I am going to use the word wisdom, you mm. be, right? You're more aware and you're not constantly reacting to emotional experiences or events. And so with that, a CEO can then step back, see the bigger picture with less distortion, with less emotion, not out of fight or flight, or a stockbroker making decisions, right, as things go up and down continually, right. to be steady and see clearly or more clearly. And so, yeah, with different interpretations, you you do make different decisions, and I think wiser ones. And does that help? Yeah, it helps. I mean, we're in New York City. It's uh, the capital of CEOs. And I know that CEOs have a specific job. And really, a lot of them, especially in this, uh, in New York, you know, they answer to shareholders and the current state of corporation and economics, a lot of it, not uh, maybe it used to be the majority. It's about profits and it's about getting things done. I, I, I can tell that some CEOs and some people would be almost afraid to get more, to get softer and more benevolent mm-hmm. because yes. it may impact the bottom, line. the bottom line in the wrong way. So, All right, I can, let me. Yeah. I, I love this question. Again, why are they mutually exclusive? Can't we have a good bottom line and a good work environment and people who are collaborating and having wonderful communications and problem solving and creativity I mean why does it need to be mutually exclusive I don't want to be taken advantage of that's why um, so if your team is working well together and being more productive how would you be taken advantage of because then the the next the the shrewder person might win (laughs) (laughs) the shrewder person might win um, not help me. I'm not understanding. Yeah, that's good. That that means that in 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 your reality that, and I'm I'm working with you here. Uh, it's about making the right decisions. Where you even if like, these are unsettled, they're not real fears. Mm-hmm. What you're saying yes. these are these are old world ways of competitiveness and. What you are talking about is getting to know yourself and getting to know yourself to the point where you are co-creating your life, you are leading your team in a better way, and you're ultimately staying true to the vision. The vision, and you may, f- I mean, you may find yourself, you you may find yourself working and finding that your company's vision and and, and the bottom line is the goal, then then you do have a challenge because you got to go back to the board and you got to go there's a lot of work is going to be done but hey i would i would say when you come from when you're in a place of trusting you you create trust around you 
And when people feel an environment of trust, their fears are lowered, hmm. right? And their interactions change. So again, what we each exude impacts everyone around us. So this person, the CEO, right, right, is creating that environment where people are becoming more trusting and are able to work more collaboratively. And so what is created is far greater than what any one person can do alone, as we know about teams. And that mushrooms, that just keeps growing. Does it, I mean, that's why we have people like me helping companies do that. It's hard to just do that alone. But we have so many companies with that type of success now, thank goodness. Yeah, it started in the 70s. I remember going to Vermont and hearing Ben and Jerry's talk about, <laughs> it was called Businesses for Social Responsibility, right? So, and now we have the American, um, you know, I'm sorry, just blanked on the name, but I'll come back to it. Um, but it's a council, an American council that has companies that are coming together because they understand that there's more than one. So you, so you've, so you've been which is exciting to get to know you because you've been doing this since the 70s. Okay. Is there a big change now specifically or you just see a just steady incline in uh, this sort of interest? Huge change, I think. Since when? Like, is that a specific time period, a world event? I, I personally find that it's in more, more articles. It's on the media more. Uh, it's people are speaking about it. I just really feel it's an indication of us as a species understanding and reaching for this kind of change. Think about what we've been talking about, right, Aurea? This kind, living this kind of life, you know, where we are co-creators and we do hold the space for others to be with us and co-create with us, right? See. It's it's not an either or. It's it, and we're as you know, we're connected anyway. So you're and bringing decades of experience, and and yet at the same time, you're offering all of it, all of it in a very in a very simple way, which you call meditation. But I have a feeling it's more than meditation when. Because people Google meditation and mindfulness, and there's apps, and there are many things out there, but that's not really what you're about. There's a, there's a world of teaching and wisdom that you bring in with you, which that's why I, I'm not I'm like kind of soliciting the information from you so people listen, get that it's much more than meditation. It's who you are and who and the vision you have been carrying with you for all these years. And thank you. And it's, it is more than what people think because it is really building that relationship with self. And think of any relationship that we all, you have. Quality time is what you need to spend in order to nurture and grow that relationship. And then you have a lifelong friend, right, when you pay attention to this friend, to right. this heart. So, yes, meditation is far more than what I think is currently out there and isn't that wonderful yeah <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> wow and is it 
I mean, we'll get into it in the next segment. I want to get into some things people can do. Yeah. People can do right now and maybe run us through, like, as a CEO bringing you in, what does it look like? And maybe a story, a personal story of transformation that you've been going through that uh, can, you know, it's nice to know your story. It's nice to know what you're bringing in because we all have these uh, turning points and moments of where everything is dropped and the truth is being revealed to you. So we'll do that when we get back. Know you are loved Rest in peace Dream your sweet dreams Till your soul is released Know you are loved Rest in peace Dream your sweet dreams So Michelle, a turning point in your life. Take us through it. I took you through one and the other was experiencing deep loss hmm. through death. And I came to learn many things as a result of that experience. One, how sad it is that death is no longer a part of our lives. We marginalize it. Because I have found it to be that wake-up call, that shaking me to my core experience and coming out the other side. It, it, it's if nothing else, just gave me huge gratitude for life and seeing how I didn't appreciate what I had when I had it. Right? Mm. Can we all possibly feel that? Yeah, we don't like to think about it and feel it or admit it that sometimes you really truly do not know what you have until you lose it. And yet, when we accept death as part of life right and like you said we marginalize it we we don't talk about it we ignore it what did it teach you i mean it taught you to have reverence for life to have reverence to what you have and how did that change you it um instead of my wanting to do certain things or be certain things had me commit to my core that without a shadow of a doubt I was going to do that so my as you probably can guess was to finally love me unconditionally and live with that type of life instead of you know oh, you know, I really want to I'd really like to learn that go to this course go here go there but now it was like no it's time. There's no more time to waste. Just do it. And talk about manifestation. That was clear. That's part of what I learned about manifestation. When there's no doubt at all, none, you create miracles. And to get to that place where you have no doubt at all, that's, it just sounds like a huge benefit of meditation. So you already... So meditation comes first. So you can, I mean, the whole notion of having no doubt at all. Whoa. Okay. 
and it's and it's a discipline it's a focus it's it is every day sitting down and doing that simple sitting and there's no excuse there's just not you're going to do it period end of story so you have a so do you, your meditation practice is daily i assume from yes. the sentence is yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that, if we want to change habits and create new ones practice right? how, how long did it take you Oh, I've been doing this. Well, I mean, I started. How long did it take you to be, to make it into a habit? Was it difficult at first? What can I expect as a CEO to bring you in? Tell me, run me through a little bit of what it looks like, and any tips or advice for me to begin now before you even come to my office. It and because one size does not fit all, That's as right. it should not. You know, whenever I go into any business it's understanding where people are what the issues are what the re- best steps for them are so mm. okay that's fair yeah yeah i mean that would be contradicting everything we just but, spoke but about. F- so for you uh, was it a challenging journey to make it into a practice sure of course it is we You know, I have a million reasons why not to. I'm tired. It's too late. Um, I have other things I'd rather do. Is that still happen? Do you still, like, is there days and times that you really don't want to do it? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. And then the moment I sit down and begin, it's like, how could I ever have doubted the benefits and the feelings I have in the, doing this? So the significant difference in, the, in before and after is still... after all these years of doing it and it's yes and fine-tuning it so it by fine-tuning it it's so right now I'm doing a DNA activation meditation which I hope you will join me soon to do and there are intentions and there are mudras or hand positioning and there's sound and this trilogy to the extent I hold it and focus you know and I say to people it's it's that maintaining that awareness and focus that and our mind will wander as all of them do and it's wonder it's the practice to just come back to that intention to come back to what you are manifesting in that moment so if I'm doing something to discover let's just say self-discovery that's the intention of what I'm doing it says do this and you'll know yourself better well then as my mind, wonders I just say okay I'm I literally right now are assisting me in knowing me more deeply and that practice alone creates the success because I'm building that new habit so it's 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 simultaneous you just need to have that belief and if you don't believe it of course nothing nothing will change but with it you 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 see it You see it unfold by itself. So it's, it is a commitment. It is a discipline. Yogi Bhajan would say discipline. Yeah. <laughs> I never understood it. But yeah. And, but that's true of any new skill. Piano, Spanish, whatever you would seek to learn. Same requirement. If somebody, if a CEO or whatnot pressed you to say, okay, how long do I have to have you in the office? How long will it take me to learn this? What, uh, can I do it on my own? Um, sure, like we have you know teachers for reasons to help us you know 
take those leaps, but certainly we can do it on our own. Okay. It's just harder. Yeah. And, and you know, just like maybe I should take a swimming coach, you know, they can help you know how to move your arms, your legs, right? So the feedback that you can't see is clearly the benefit of, of a teacher and coach. Um, but I, you know, in terms of time, uh, we always want the process, we want it quickly. And it's my experience that it's the process that's more laden with gold than the eventual getting there. Because it's in the process that so much unfolds about yourself and life. So I would say to everyone, don't hurry getting to the end of that, wherever you think you need to be. Well, manifesting my life on purpose is always a very good goal. So, but what you're saying is that the moment where I decide that I'm going on this journey of self-discovery to assist myself become a better conscious co-creator of my life, and every time I sit down to practice and every time I even just make the decision that this is what I'm doing, my brain is forming new patterns. Yes. And life itself becomes a meditation. It's not just a practice. Because when I met you, you told me, Aurea, I'm very good with discipline. I'm very disciplined. And I know after all these years that the biggest gift that I feel like I have in my life is that my life is my meditation. Yes, and that was another change for me from just that practice to realizing I, I could make my life my practice, how I showed up all the time. So every, yeah. fo- so every phone call, every step, every waiting for the elevator or... Washing the dishes. Washing the dishes. And, and for me, that's very attractive. For me, that, that notion that, you know, having a meditation practice is, is one thing, but to, to make every interaction, and I know that's possible. Because I know I'm experiencing it more and more and more, especially when days are tough and things are weird and there's resistance to play with it. Yeah. To really play with the resistance. And if I see you and people, potential people are working with you to, 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 to turn uh, challenges and obstacles into a, a sort of a play is the, one of the best benefits that I could think about. And an easy, let's uh, a practical tip yeah. is to really under enjoy your breath. The mind always follows your breath. So the moment in just ten seconds when you take a deep breath and slow your breath down, it's now proven. Science is now caught up with this ancient technology that your mind also slows down. Your hypothalamus stops secreting, and you can then move out of that more fight-or-flight state into, again, greater awareness or presence. You said 10 seconds. Yes, it act- that's, what, that's what they said. That's what science has now said, yes. So if I take that away from the, you know, this uh, conversation, if I actually take 10 seconds and breathe and be mindful of my breath. Yes. Okay, that's a big help. And if you're even more disciplined, take one minute every hour and begin to just your arms or there's there's something very magical about just stretching your arms and rubbing your arms as you lift them overhead and 
actually there's a self-esteem mechanism with your brain that, and you have suggested journaling at the end of your day as you write all of your achievements, however small or Mm -hmm. large, and you take pleasure in achieving them. Positive psychology has shown that writing them down daily for just one week will gradually raise your self-esteem over three months. So we're just such powerful beings. And it's literally every moment we breathe and at our fingertips. So ultimately, you're reminding us that we are manifesting all the time. But this is a very good way to start being conscious of what we are doing, become aware of our patterns, become aware of our feelings and beliefs about ourselves on or off, you know, ness of our mind. And taking 10 seconds or a minute and becoming ourselves fully, ultimately. I'm excited. I just want to mention the fact that at March 22nd, yes. we are doing an event together. It's a two and a half hour, uh, the spiritual, the business of spiritual leadership event. So I just want to say thank you for the opportunity and I look forward to sharing that space with you. And if anyone would like to speak with me, if I can just give out my uh, email. Please do. mrisa11 at gmail.com. M-R-I-S-A 11 at gmail.com. I'm always curious about the numbers. Why 11? <laughs> uh, that's a visionary, and that is my numerolo- numerology. <laughs> so it's part of who I am. In addition to being a four, which is very hardworking, and pragmatic. That's obvious. <laughs> well, thank you, Michelle. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you again right here soon. Thank you for this journey and all the ones we're about to do. See you soon. Yes. I believe in the good things coming, 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 coming. I believe in the good things coming, 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 coming. Out of darkness, light are pumping, 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 pumping. Into white light, all things running, running, running. And we are back, Bing Community Radio and the journey after the journey and whatever other name we have for this show in the past and in the future. But we are ultimately here helping you and reminding you on the journey home, back to your heart, in community. Starting with yourself, starting with the commitment, the acknowledgement of your journey of self-discovery, of true enlightenment, which is getting to know yourself. Because we have a very particular role in this universe, which is discovering, remembering our co-creative aspect of life. The reason why life split up into all these pieces called human beings is to give us the choice, to give us the will to play such an important role. We make decisions that affect the universe. It's not just the universe having effect on us. And we are at this very special time of life that we are awakening to that true power. We are awakening to our own imagination. We are awakening to the fact that we are in charge of our lives. And yet the world has 
so much chaos and terror and sadness and whatever else. The truth is, this is the safest it's ever been for human beings. This is the best time it's ever been. This is the longest we've ever lived, unless you get into some biblical time. And we went from living very little to doubling our lifespan in the past, I don't know, it's a very short period of time. We have finally replicated or at least understood consciousness by we can't even say creating the internet it's just allowing the internet to unfold because even though we are inventing new technologies all the time we're really not inventing anything we're just making new connections we are understanding of what's possible and then we're allowing them to happen all of that so we can truly share the wisdom and blessing that life has to offer us we are finally at this point of life finally where we understand that it is our responsibility to receive for the sake of sharing it is our responsibility to be full so we can support others on this journey of remembering remembering literally what home is i'm excited to now have melissa simonson in the studio the best part about having melissa in the studio is i don't really know much about her except she feels really, really fantastic, <laughs> and she presents herself as a singer-songwriter and he- healer extraordinaire of sorts. And that was enough. We have we know each other for about a year now, and this will be the longest conversation we ever had. So that's always exciting. <laughs> singer-songwriter. What else did you tell us about yourself? Mm, so. There, yeah, there are a handful of ways, I guess, that my expression shows up in my work. Um, so I have been sort of the official thing is I, I've been a trained life coach for the past nine, almost nine and a half years. Mm. And um, I started studying astrology when I was about seven years old. And so that's a natural piece of the work that I do. I currently... Um, I do a lot of one-on-one sessions that can sometimes lead into longer-term relationships that really focus on self-love. But the starting point are these sole-purpose astrology sessions that I do because I really, I guess my gift shows up in this capacity to hold up the mirror for people so that they see all the parts of themselves and they see themselves in actuality which is as lovable and magnificent so that the things that they might have come to me with, things they thought they needed to fix, things that were wrong, they might even be laughing at themselves lovingly, seeing how precious it is that they thought there was something wrong to begin with and walking away in the seat of their own power and expanded to really be creating, to be manifesting uh, their lives. Um, and so I've also been a singer since I was a little girl. So my dad has his master's in piano performance and my mom sings. And so it was just what our family does. Um, I often think about those things that we do when we're, when we're little that come to us naturally. So I wanted to know everything about my personality and everyone around me. So that's when I took up astrology and personality, everything personality tests and I also would close my room, myself in my room for hours singing and recording myself singing 
um, and playing it back and oh I don't like that and I would do it again <laughs> uh, singing along to my favorite artists um, so by the time I was in my late 20s it was time to really it realize a dream which was to really step into becoming a singer-songwriter I'd become very dependent on the accompanists around me my dad being the first one and it was actually a period in my life where I took a step away from my relationship for my father for actually five years and in that time I started playing guitar I started playing with music and really claiming that for myself um, and put out my first album in 2011 with the help of crowdfunding and and some people in my life to sort of give me that loving kick in the butt to help me realize I was like saying I was gonna do it and never actually (laughs) declared it and so I did and I made it happen Um, I moved to New York in March of 2014. Where from? Uh, Madison, Wisconsin. That's where I grew up. And I really moved here. um, Well, the vision to move to New York came because I had a friend who's psychic who saw me here. And I was like, I want to make a change. That sounds, that sounds amazing. It was really the vision she had for my life resonated with such truth for me that I was willing to take the steps to, to realize it. Um, And so now I've been here and it's been a very challenging in many ways, very transformative transformative journey. What's been the most challenging? Um, What did you think that didn't? Well, you know, I came here and I was so wrapped up in this paradigm of success that I was going to that I was going to make my business just like grow and I was going to have all these one-on-one clients and that's how I was going to make all this money because it was I went from from uh, living with my mom in Madison having my business to like taking the leap to moving to one of the most expensive cities in the world to pay rent and take on a life and I hit this wall like where I had to come face to face with the fact like this isn't working I'm exhausted I don't even know what I'm saying anymore and what this means, you know, all the marketing stuff, which sounds like a similar theme that we've heard already from Michelle. And, um, and I just, I literally had to stop. So this would have been like three months into living here. And I just hit this wall. I also think that I was probably close to renal fatigue from like the city and just everything and the change and all of it. And I just, I had to stop and then found myself with like a restaurant job falling into my lap like literally I didn't seek it it was like oh there's this hosting opportunity so I started doing that and and so what ended up really happening that I didn't know was it was the beginning of a very powerful journey of waking up um, because I had to confront everything that had been comfortable everything that was known and safe and everything just was falling away and some of it I was just throwing away (laughs) which is nothing made sense Um, I fell into a relationship that felt really cozy for a minute and then that like literally felt like it exploded and I was left with like, what am I doing? Who am I? What matters to me? And I just, this longing for connection, this longing for self-expression and a sense of belonging and contribution, like this just started, it was kind of like following the threads, just pulling me forward um, and so now, and I love it cause it's literally like how we're having this conversation right now. It's been a matter of following threads and listening and reaching out and then, and getting connected. And, and so now there's this, this experience of New York, this magic, like I let go of like the hustle and bustle of trying to be somebody 
And for a while, I just felt completely invisible. But in that space, life was like this like low hum, just like doing its thing, you know, and moving things along and growing me. And now I'm in this space where I'm like, oh, I, so today is actually the two year anniversary of my move to New York. Oh, all right. Cool. And, uh, I liken it to being a two year old in New York. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm finding my yes. I'm finding my no. (laughs) I'm, you know, walking all over the place. I'm getting excited about things. I'm getting connected. You know, it's, it's, I'm feeling more grounded in this place. You know, they say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Do you find that to be true? <laughs> yes. I think, I mean, what's fun is I thought my life was challenging in Madison. And now I'm like, oh, my God, I could get an apartment on the lake and I could do it. You know, yeah. <laughs> it would be so easy, um, which is great. It's kind of nice. It's this little sweet awareness in the background. That's like if anything, if it ever just got too hard, because I don't need it doesn't have to be that way. Like, I don't have to make my life this challenging mountain climb. It's, it's like, but right now it feels like there's something that's keeping me here and there's, there's growth and there's possibility. So I'm willing to, to face that and go through the fire of it. But if ever it got just exhausting or whatever, it's like, I know I could, I could pack up and go and have a really sweet, <laughs> sweet and mellow life. And that may happen, you know, down the road, but for, for whatever reason, I just feel the need to be here now. Yeah. Well, it feels like we we just met right when we started feeling we're starting to feel safe yes. starting to feel safe with all the changes you started to trust those decisions you made yes. uh, two two and a half years ago or whatever it is that you actually made the decision to move yeah two and a half and years there, ago and there's a lot of a lot of things we can unpack over the next 45 minutes because what you just described is you know the majority of uh, definitely the listeners mm. okay and the way Michelle talked about be- the begging bowl, you described it as you know wanting to be someone. Yeah. And I always remember that the day my misery changed or transformed is when I noticed that this the biggest source of my suffering is the fact that I'm always thinking about another time to come. Yes. That one day I'm going to be someone else, somewhere else, and. Just having that awareness, I, I don't even know what words to, to use, just transform that. So, but then there's all this stuff in between, and maybe when we come back, we can talk about what kept you grounded throughout the most challenging parts of, oh my God, I don't feel safe, I made yeah. the wrong decision. That's juicy, thanks. <laughs> in the moon of the budding trees, I was gifted new eyes to see. All of the shift and shape and ways you can be Wake the dreams into realities Wake the dreams into realities Sunset diamonds trickle down our cheeks You made the move to New York City. You had all these dreams and aspirations and you were really coming at it from the, I don't know, to be cliche, the old paradigm of wanting to be someone, having to be someone, and going after success the way you may have seen it on TV or the credit card commercials or banner ads or newsletters. And you found out that actually in this city, what I really like about New York is like being on the, in New York City specifically, it's like being on the internet without having a computer. <laughs> like, 
I, they say if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. Uh, you know, I, I'm not really sure about that sentence, but I know that if you don't mind, if you can take the rejection from a lot of people and you can just fine-tune who you are, then once you find your own voice, it's actually pretty easy to make it here, if I may say, without people going, no, easy for you. Because there are a lot of people here. There's lots and lots and lots and lots of people, and people are attracted to authenticity and presence. So there is something that's happening with you right now that I want to delve into for all of us who are in this transition, because it does seem scary. You, I'm sure you had moments of doubting everything, but probably didn't want to go back mm. to wherever. What kept you grounded or what keeps you grounded? Do you have any mm. personal practices? And so I guess I have a couple reflections on that. Um, one was that I really became aware and started declaring that I'm waking up. And so it started to make sense that everything felt like it was crumbling beneath me. And I, it sort of created this commitment. I mean, it was kind of like it almost could have looked masochistic <laughs> because I, which it often does. I mean, when you're committed to that, it's like you're willing to face the fire and go through it and go through it and go through it. And, but I, I think I see it like I would do that. I would take, I would, I mean, there was a period where I had really used Facebook a lot, for example, for marketing and all of this stuff. And, and I'm actually back at being in that world of it feeling in, in a, sweet spot with it but I actually just went off Facebook for three months I mean so imagine you know I move cross country my friends and family are like watching my journey and then they're like what you're gonna you're gonna go off Facebook and everyone thought I was going crazy and they were <laughs> worried about me um but it's I, a great sign yeah right yeah. right so I was willing to to go there and do that um there were friends in my life. Um, I had some uh, a mentor um, when this was, was first happening that was literally connecting with me almost daily, um, who, to be clear, was rattling me a lot. It wasn't this soft, sweet, cozy, comfy thing. He was like pushing me pet beyond my helping me get to my edge again and again. He didn't let you fall asleep. He didn't let me fall asleep. Um, and, uh, you know just yeah very uh, that that destructive energy that is sometimes i was very angry with him <laughs> um do you remember any specific well themes so or things yes. he would say again and again that so something that i carry with me and i share with a lot of people is that the ego is only ever looking for three things safety control and approval freedom lies on the other side of that who we really are lies beyond that so the fears that we have, if you notice them, they come up and you can see these patterns of, but what will they think? But I don't know what's going to happen. This doesn't feel safe. And, but to also notice that there's these deeper longings and these deeper needs that are also calling us forth. And that's where, that's where the, our life force is. You know, we can't explain it. We can't really understand that life has made every single one of us as these unique expressions and yet we are all, you know, one ocean, individual waves. And so I started to just, it was like leaning in here and there to being willing to go to my edge and go, you know, well, what if I just do this, this one thing that I normally wouldn't do because I'm afraid of what people think. And, 
Um, but the other was being in touch with my breath and finding the pain in my body, recognizing that when I'm in the midst of emotional storming, my mind has no gifts for me. It just doesn't. And it's that fight or flight. And so coming back to a space of, oh, okay, woo, where is that pain? What is that? Oh, it's in my chest. It's in my throat right now. And bringing my awareness like a laser to that with my breath and just being with it until it dissipates. So my friend taught me that technique, um, which, of course, as we learned in the former segment, that it's from that space that we move into a new vibration in our mind. All suddenly we're able, the solution we were looking for comes. Problems aren't problems anymore. They're just, oh, they're just the little obstacle. It might not even be an obstacle. It's just something to leap over. So, and it sort of, you know, brings us into like our zone of of, of genius, as Gay Hendricks would like to call it in his book, The Big Leap, you know, th- what we do, what we excel at uh, most naturally, which is really when life is moving through us. So, so there were a lot of those pieces that I had. And then it was, um, it was books. Um, at the time I was reading Jed McKenna, who's intense. He's not like your coffee table, you know, reading book. And there were times again, where I was angry at that and angry at him and for just like destroying my, my worldview. Um, and yet I just kept coming back and it was like, it was just knowing I found that it would get really intense and then life would like, it would be like the rain would fall down on the hot day and I would feel cool and at ease. These moments of grace, um, and, and I bet that that's still happening. Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I just want to let let's remind people that certain things do get easier, right? Like you yes. get you expect a dip almost. You yes. you don't hold on, and when you do, you realize that you're trying to bottle something that yes. that is exactly what's causing the pain already. <laughs> and so certain things get easier, and yet. When things get easier, you usually go for the next stretch, right? Yes. Which, and sometimes I get really mad at myself when I do that. Of course, when it hits the height of the pain and I'm really facing it and I'm feeling it, I, my judgments come and, you know, the, the thoughts, because it's just trying, again, trying, my ego's going, blah, this isn't safe. We're out of control. And so judgments will fly. And what's, what's the judgment that you, uh, I was, I I made a mistake that it was wrong. This was a bad choice. Who am I? What am I doing? Why did I listen to this person or why did I take that risk? Um, yeah. So So it still comes up, which is, which is reassuring. It's, you know, it's, it's conditioning that's like falling away. So then, um, so hold on, hold on. Yeah. So you, so you, th- let's talk about the biggest thing that comes up for you. So what comes up for you is this: that you made a mistake. Yeah. That uh, they were right. This is not the way to go. I don't even know who they are. If it was that they were right, it's just this tremendous fear that I am like gonna always get something, quote unquote, something wrong. That I'm doing it wrong. And that's when I have to sometimes ask myself, where am I trying to get to? What am I trying to get that I think I'm going to do it the wrong way and mess up, you know? And does it usually go away with that question? It does bring me back, yeah. <laughs> Realizing that actually you're not trying to go anywhere, but yeah, just the just journey of self-discovery mm-hmm. and expression. Is there a is there a vision, a goal, an agenda, uh, some sort of 
uh, shooting for the stars sort mm. of thing going on? There still are visions and dreams, um, but I feel like this, uh, they've changed. Um, the, there's an essence that's remained the same, um, but the, the ambition has changed. Mm. It's much more, there's more trust and it's more a commitment to having my needs met. And by needs, I don't mean financial or like it, nothing specific. Those are strategies, right? But, but needs as in my need for acceptance, my need for contribution, for self-expression, my need for support. That's a big one for me right now. I've really been being with, praying around, speaking to life, saying, show me how supported that I am. And then surrendering more and surrendering more. And that's when things have been getting really magical because I'm seeing support everywhere. Like, I don't, I think it's important that the audience, the listeners know that the way this conversation came to be was that you and I have been attempting to come together for a while, texting or emailing. And then the very person who connected us, she and I went to a bathhouse yesterday, Turkish and Russian bathhouse. Your name came up. And then within 30 minutes, you walked into the space. <laughs> right. That's how life has been showing up for me inside of my prayer. Show me how supported that I am. It's, it's just, and I just, I, I cry almost every day, Aurea. Mm. I cry almost every day. And not because my heart is breaking in the devastating sense. I mean, that can be there, of course, but it's because it's just breaking open and life is so extraordinary. The gratitude. Yes. The reverence. I had three back-to-back coaching calls today, which is a rarity for me. I don't usually put them all together like that, but it was beautiful. And I literally was in tears with every single person for for unique, of course, reasons with this person as I was in awe of what she was doing and what she was creating and who she really is and her seeing that it was like i couldn't i just could not cry so that's those are things that i'm no these little shifts i mean i've always been emotional but i find that i i just tears come i'm walking down the street something moves me um yeah yeah that's a it's a it's a real sign of being alive and open mm-hmm. i look for those moments actually mm-hmm. i just spent a month in israel and it was graceful. And I was so happy today, this morning, that I had a good cry because I was worried about it for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it was a really good trip, but, you know, where is the release? Mm. And this morning I, I put on some, some of the music that I discovered there. And it was a Hebrew song, and it was uh, something about Dad, show me that you love me. And, mm. and I just couldn't help it. And so it's a... It's, it's, it's a when people text me and ask me a lot, they say, I'm crying a lot more. Is that normal? I'm like, yes, take it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, love it. Take every moment of it. Don't, 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 you know, you know how people sometimes cry and they're like, stop it? Like, oh, God, no. No. Like, please enjoy it. Look for what songs make you cry. Look for what movies make you cry. Yes. Go for it again and again and again. And, you know, when you go through a dry spell and just, Take more risks, right? <laughs> Ooh, I love that. That's yeah. so good. That's so true. Uh, you know, it's we get kind of we get we get comfortable because a lot of people ask me things like, "Will it ever end? Will this ever end?" I'm like, 
I don't know. The moment you get comfortable, hopefully you'll take another risk. You'll stretch yourself again. And that's what I want to get into. Maybe we'll get next. Like, you know, maybe it's a challenging question. And you'll have the break to think about, which is fair or unfair. You know, from asking, show me. I don't know how long you've been praying. Show me that I'm supported. Mm-hmm. But what would be your next prayer? Ooh. And we don't know where to begin. Don't know how to fit in. Caught in between the lines. Fighting this world from inside. Can't go back. We're on a one-way track. It's been a million miles gone. Is it taking us to where we I grew up praying, and I maintained my practice of praying. It's not really a practice. It's almost like it really is the closest relationship I have to life is through prayer. And it comes very natural to me, maybe because I was forced to do it as a kid, but there was something about it that felt right. And when I pray, I just know that if life if i have an ear like it's part of life's mechanism is to listen then i am just imagining just a big ear that exists called life so for me praying is just speaking out loud or acknowledging the fact that (laughs) there is a lot of life that is not me Mm. and so i've been praying and i remember the shift from I used to say the same thing, like, help me, help me, just God, help me, just please help me. And then one day I said, you know what, maybe I'm going to start with a thank you. That was a big shift. Mm -hmm. Let's start with thank you and then go back to help or whatnot. Because even the mode of praying and what I'm saying has has a lot to do with what's happening next. That's why I, I was curious and I'm excited to, for your journey of the next phase of your praying, because... Show me that I'm supported is really, really just the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you're getting all the signs. And now that the angels are going, all right, all right. I mean, you know we're here. What would you you pray for next? I'm going to have to be with that. I mean, I I love it. When you asked the question, I I found myself feeling a little choked up in the good way that we were just talking about. I love that. Um, I I guess for me, what I've been really aware of as I started praying this, saying this, show me how supported that I am. It immediately meant that I was in that statement. I was declaring that I am supported. Right. Because <laughs> it was like, show me, <laughs> I, you know. Um, so what I've, what's been happening is more what I've been seeing are all the blocks that I've created to the support that's always been there. So it's been this expansion of this, like, I see it like, like this little, this like little container I was walking around with this little teeny cup (laughs) and I wasn't willing to ask for things and I was afraid of everything and everyone. And, uh, and now I feel like it's like, my, you know, I almost liken it to my lungs getting bigger in their capacity to receive air, right? I've just been expanding. Um, and so what I'm experiencing in the question that you asked is really just an invitation to be in the space of, oh, there's going to be a new prayer. 
(laughs) there's a next it's coming i'm ready um that's beautiful and uh yeah that's that's really what's showing up for me right now it's such a profound um, exploration that i'm glad you don't have an answer because that means it's real for you Mm -hmm. and yeah sit with that stay with it and and I, I, it's something that I've been asking for, asking, I guess, over the past six months or so. When I work with people, it's a question that kind of throws them off sometimes. But I go, what do you pray for? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, no, quietly, secretly, when you're on your own, what do you pray for? If I was to go on dating websites, that's probably the question I would ask. Ooh. Because you get to know a lot about someone, you know, by what they pray for. I love that you just mentioned dating websites because what's funny is the new, the next opening that's happening for me. And we mentioned this briefly yesterday when we connected was this realization um, that I've been, my life force has been very focused on this process of coming into myself, of awakening, of clearing out. And I really have had very little desire I've had very little sexual desire. There are very few men that I see that I'm like really sparked by. It's like a momentary thing. And then it's like, I immediately can sense that our vibrations aren't yeah. <laughs> vibing. And it's like, no, um, which has been actually in part, uh, showing me the up leveling that I've been through. Cause I've noticed people I normally would be attracted to. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I just, it's not there. I have love. There's love there, but there's not anything more than that. So what I noticed, though, is that I've been in a part of the an old habitual pattern for me, old conditioning, for which is not unique to me. It's unique to, I think, all of us potentially who are who have not awakened or are in the process, is victim consciousness, and it's re- the way that I often practice that is by uh, being confused, perplexed, unclear because then I don't have to declare anything. I don't have to take responsibility <laughs> for anything as creator. I don't have to be vulnerable, right? So I've been really noticing like, ooh, what is there something there around that when it comes to relationship? Because I just haven't hardly thought of it. And I, But when I think about it, when I think of like, if I'm going to, if I were to die, you know, tomorrow, or if I'm on my deathbed, whenever that is, would it be okay for me that I didn't do everything in my power I didn't risk myself completely to have the possibility of really juicy, intimate partnership. I'm like, no, that's not really, (laughs) that doesn't really feel good. You know, that doesn't feel like, and so I'm in this space now where I think that the sort of wise woman within me is saying, Lisa, it's time. You're ready. You're ready to get messy. Um, And so now I think it's about declaring and getting really clear and being being willing to do that for myself. And and I'm like, what is what I want that to look like? How do I want to feel in partnership? How do I want to be treated? How do I want to treat myself in relationship to another? How do I want to treat that person? Um, It's it's time. So I think that that's potentially the next prayer. Some something out of that is going to kind of be coming through. Uh, through this this period, which makes sense though, right? As I've been focusing on support and expanding that container to receive, what's naturally coming is desi- a desire to contribute, a desire to self-express, a desire to really connect and to receive another. Um, 
that that's really coming up. So yeah, so we'll see. It's, it's like exciting and scary and sounds like you're in trouble. I <laughs> think that sounds great. <laughs> that's perfect. Yes, yeah. I'm in trouble. Oh. That's cool. Yeah, and there may be a point where I'm like, why did I pray this prayer, right? But then I will breathe and... (laughs) Just just come back on the show (laughs) (laughs) and remind us that Mm. getting messy is actually very... It's not just very beneficial, it's necessary, it's important. And I like that you said uh, when you were in the process, still are, of waking up, which we all are. Yes. Breaking down, so to speak, just so you can put yourself back together. Yeah. But at this time... It's you that you're putting yourself back together. Yeah. You know all your, of, all your, of all your pieces because you're able to examine them, look at them, see what fits, see what doesn't fit. That's why going insane or losing your shit or whatever it is that people are afraid of is actually a very important part of this process. I think that more than anything, what I came to, and this was something that came over the summer, I was... I, um, I was sort of drawn to go onto this particular website and read a book. I don't know if you're familiar with Liberation Unleashed, but mm-hmm. there's a book that they make. It's free, a free download um, that's called Gateless Gate Crashers. And it's literally just reading dialogues that actually happened between a guide and someone who was seeing through the illusion of self. And I read that book and I found myself being close to being able to really see it for myself. And then I went and I got a guide just a volunteer guide on liberate and on uh liberation unleashed and it was so simple it was like really this is it but um that has been the biggest piece is really getting not just believing but seeing that there's actually no me there's no central me here that's running something that there is, there are these parts, there's like this cool, there's this body and there's, but it's not, it's not mine. There's no ownership of it. It, if it's anything's, it's anyone's, it's life's, it's just part of life. So that's been huge in the surrender and the trust in uh, the conditioning will come up that there's a me in charge and I'm going to do it right or wrong. But then it's like, well, nope. Is a plant deciding to grow or is it just growing am i am i a human doing (laughs) something am i making this happen nope and so the so what's fun though is that then i'm left in this sense of power because i now understand that all of life is flowing through me as me and that i get to choose it's sort of this weird kind of like what but didn't she just say she doesn't have a choice but yes there is there is a life force moving through me that's planning these thoughts and these feelings and and there's this awareness that like I don't have to be any of those things I don't have to all the titles all of that I don't have to I can just do it because I want to and and there's this trust in that this trust that my desires my desires are there because they're they're supposed to be and then I can just I can just have them and I can express them and that's like like I have I'm like buzzing with energy as I say this I get so excited it's like life becomes this endless playground and then that's where I want to take more risks and I want to like oh you know I'm seeing the the new declaration has been that I'm going to start traveling with my gifts and uh you know teaching storytelling spoken word music 
and then creating opportunities for the one-on-ones. So I've just, I have no idea what that's going to look like or how, but I've started calling friends and having conversations about, hey, what if I come visit you and like, you know, play some music and do this thing and just seeing like what wants to emerge, planting seeds all over. And I do, that's the vision now. So as you were asking earlier about like, is there still like something this big, there's just this, yeah, there's these ideas that come that just get me so excited that I just am like, oh yeah, I want to work on that today. I want to take steps toward that. But there's much more awareness of the here and now, and there's less of a, when I get there, then something's going to happen. It's like this joy of the process this joy of all the little seeds and seeing the magic that pops up, you know. And it sounds like, which is very reassuring to me personally, and I'm sure a lot of other people, that you're passionate about different things. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say to me, like, if I could only just find my thing, and I, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's just very apparent to me that actually your thing can be a few things. Yes. Working one-on-ones, working with groups, singing, writing. One of the things... I just say it on the air. So uh, one of the things that I sometimes tell myself is if I would have to do it all over again, I would do it through singing and and, and performing. That's a real thing. And every time I say it, I'm like, okay, I say it in front of people just so I'm going to make it happen. I don't have to do it all over again. Uh, But... And and I'm uh, personally I'm interested in so many different things. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm a tech guy. I, I and to be okay with it, and to be okay, not just to be okay, but to be encouraged and inspired to make connections and keep the conversation going. So I'm glad to see another to be in front of another human being who just has so many different. Uh, I don't know. It's more than interests, but capacities and potential for enlightenment and inspiring others through so many different mediums because we are really at a a new age where anything is really possible and we still don't really get it and so many of us are still stuck into this like but who am I? I don't know. Doesn't really matter. (laughs) What makes you happy? It's such a good question to keep asking. Just who am I? We'll go into that in a minute. So tap me out and tap me into you. Heal my brain and my body too. Balance my chemistry. Hydrate these cells cause the body talks and meditation helps. The body talks and meditation helps. Melissa, so right now, what are you open to as far as life? Like you're working with people one-on-one. Give us some of the things that you're open to and playing with, would like more of, not from a sense of neediness, but Mm. just genuinely uh, ready to stretch yourself even further. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. That's a lovely question. Um, So I think that as I had said before the break that I am now in the space where I'm calling in opportunities to share my gifts, uh, all over. Um, and, and what I, what really for me, like the sweetness of that is, is 
I, I can already sense it. Like I can sense what these communities feel like that I'm coming into that are just open and ready and appreciative and curious. Um, those, those spaces like that for me is like, those are like the, the fertilizers for my gift. And then it just like, it just comes. Um, I think it's to be that much more interconnected here in the New York area to be sharing my gifts more here. I do want to have my home base here right now. And so it's like right now the ease is showing up as like because I have a lot of really lovely community kind of that I've started all over because I've I've been a coach for, you know, nine and a half years. And so I've had clients all over the place who are like, come, you can come stay with me. And so that's kind of feeling like this opening. And there's also this this desire to be that much more rooted here and like be amongst creative people doing really cool things. I'm stepping into more of calling myself a performance artist because it's often hard to define what it is that I do because there's there's spoken words sometimes that I do. There's lots of storytelling, you know, I mean, imagine just the stories and things I'm sharing here and weaving and then, oh, this is a great time to sing this one song. And this is reminding me of the spoken word piece that I wrote. And I'm now part of uh, a vocal improv collaborative that meets on Monday nights that is really stretching me. And that just, again, an invitation that came from following the threads. I had no idea that I would ever do that when I came to New York. But it's these creative environments that are bringing me out of my shell that are like having me discover that more the limitless potential of my creative expression. Um, Yes, to do more one-on-one work and more group work like I'm really hungry to start creating circles and to be part of circles of people who are part of deep meaningful connection and conversation who do you like to work with when mm. it comes to one-on-ones and mm. groups you've been doing it for yeah. almost 10 years mm-hmm. you must have some knowledge of who you like to work with or not yeah i would say that my experience of it's it's mostly women but i do work one-on-one with men as well when i do group stuff it's usually with women um at this point in time although i'm kind of interested in you know like if i had like a co-creator who was a um, was male it would be fun maybe to like you know to bring this another piece to the puzzle but right now um the most of my clients tend to be women and they are hungry really for their own power they don't know that they often are in a space where they're they've been seeking outside themselves they tend to be pleasers uh like really always tiptoeing you know really silencing their own voice um and when they come to me they're hungry for the freedom that comes with just full self-expression and just full love of who they are there's often um, a cha- like the, there's a desire for clarity. There's like confusion and per- like just feeling like I, I similarly to my story, my sort of wounding that could be there, afraid of doing the wrong thing, always afraid of getting it wrong, doing the wrong thing, so that when they come to me, what would happen? What would happen? Like what they're afraid would happen? Yeah. I think the biggest thing is losing love and approval. I really do. I think that that's the biggest thing because it's like the seeking is for approval and then if they have approval, they're safe. Okay, so losing love and then means not being safe in the yeah. world. Yeah, absolutely. So there's this desire, this deep desire to belong. To and is be there connected. a common like thread of a piece of advice or something that you continuously find yourself saying or in 
sharing with your nine and a half years of coaching? <laughs> you know, it's funny, but the main thing that's coming to me is there is nothing wrong with you. <laughs> um, you are a gift. And you pointed, uh, you said something like this earlier, Aurea, the, the literally the gift is in your existence itself. It's who you are. And it's the, the beauty is it's, it's the gift of life that you both give and receive simultaneously. You are the gift. The gift is you and you receive it simultaneously. And, um, yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's, I, I, I love, you know, I, I love asking that question because it's the simple stuff that makes all the difference. You know, I, I have a, I have a three and a half year old son and, mm-hmm. Sometimes I wonder if I have anything to teach him except just be myself fully. Because mm-hmm. I realize I can't teach him anything that I'm not doing. I really can't. He's, mm-hmm. even, you know, he's even slouching like me sometimes. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. This is, what am I going to tell him? Uh, but, you know, I, I, it's funny. I, was, I did tell him that in Israel. I was like, you know what daddy learned in the past 30s? I was like, how old are you? He's like three. I'm like, I am 35. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot more. I'm like, do you know what's the biggest thing I've learned? He's like, what? I'm like, to be happy with what you have. Oh. You know, so I like, again, nice. with, you know, how it takes, I don't know, but I really, like, like when he wants more, like I gave him something and then he's like, I want one for now and one for later. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, precious. You know, yeah. That's the, he always says, can I have one for later? Like this is, you know, and then as he grows older, I probably, you know, just hopefully impart that what he feels about himself yeah. is the most important thing. And not just that, what you feel about yourself literally projects your reality. It really does. And you can't, we can't hack that. You can't skip that. You can't, you yeah. can't trick it. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. You can meditate and learn how you actually feel about yourself. Yeah. You can work with a coach. You can perform, do different things to get you to your edge. So you find out who you are. And yet, you're always creating your life. There is no learning how to create your life. There's no, you know, turning on or off your manifestation power. This is what's happening all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And getting to know yourself and having the right support and company. And Mm. I've come to learn that I'm a community builder. Uh, It's not something I thought that I would do. Mm. But... Community starts with one other person that you're sharing and speaking to, and it goes from there. Mm. Because we need that. We need. We need. I mean, we we are a community of human beings. Yeah. Uh, I used to say when people come and say, "Oh, you know, thank you for welcoming into your community." I, mean, I get allergic and I go, "This is we're just modeling community behavior at best." Mm. But over the years, I'm starting to say, "You know what?" there are many different communities we are part of the community the human community and you know having shared beliefs and group habits it does help it does help and it's okay as long as we don't get exclusive Mm -hmm. and we don't start alienating other people I one of the things I learned in Israel is I I ran into some uh, older Kabbalah books and specifically in a Kabbalist and an astrology book mm-hmm. and it really blew my mind but what really blew my mind is that I spent six years working for the people who 
wrote the book and I resented the hell out of it. <laughs> I never read the books. I just worked for them. Mm-hmm. And when I was reading it today on the subway, I realized that I was like, okay, so what did I not like? And what I didn't like is the absolute statements about Kabbalist always knew or we always had the answer. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so it's my role and my job to actually discover that and continue being okay with the wisdom, just not think and ever talk about it as if we or they are the only ones that know it. Because that's what that's what we alienate everyone else. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just not true. But we have to respect that some people had to be so passionate about their stuff that they had to say it was only them. Maybe before the internet, that was actually the belief yeah. system. I, I yeah. don't know. It's f- it feels weird to me when I read it. But then again, I, I cannot judge the past. I only mm. know that I'm just very, very grateful and happy to be on this side of the glimpse e- oh, you know, awareness of yeah. sorts. I'm getting the two-minute mark. Well, I, I'm really, it's been a g- really awesome conversation. Yeah. Uh, how do people find you? So um, I have a I have a couple websites. Um, so the my main one, yeah, exactly. Um, my main one is melissasimonson.com. So that's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-S-I-M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Did I, was that too many? Simonson.com. Um, and then I also have a blog, a Q&A blog, that's really like a self-love blog, a kind of relationship blog is what it's turned into called askthejoydiva.com so that's a place that people can interact with me and ask their questions and get them answered um i'm on facebook as well i love interacting with people there so you're certainly welcome to follow me and uh, find me there uh yeah yeah we want to see you come perform and if you don't have anything scheduled for new york then let's keep talking yes because new york is uh, hungry for he really is hungry. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff to do, but there isn't a lot of stuff to do. Mm-hmm. I've been here for 20 years or so, even a little longer. And I lived in California for six years. And in all these years, I haven't found too many things to do. Yeah, uh, which is a great opportunity for us. Yes, and it's exciting. So, yeah, let's 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 uh, let's really continue chatting and sharing what it is that uh, you're here to do and inspire us. Cool. So, thank you so much, Melissa Simonson. Thank you. <laughs> and Michelle Risa and Sam Libowitz and TalkingAlternative.com. We'll talk next week.